Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation. On this show, the team of experts from Bright Horizons College Coach aim to demystify college admissions and finance. From building a well-balanced college list and developing a payment strategy to creating a high school plan and more. Each episode will help guide your family through various steps of the process. Enjoy the show. Welcome everyone to today's episode of Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. I'm Sally Gaynor, College Coach. This is going to be a great show to get show today, as in our last segment, we're continuing our niche college series by interviewing Stephanie Golder, Admission Officer at the Pennsylvania College of Technology. Their motto is the future made by hand. So if you're interested in the trades, this is the college for you. They have an extremely innovative curriculum among universities, and so it's a really interesting place to learn about. Um, for our second segment, I'll be talking with college coach colleague Niel Relay about setting goals for the school year. And for my first segment, I'll be talking with Jen Wilcox, college coach finance expert, about the federal student loan repayment update, which is extremely current and important. So welcome, Jen. Hi, Sally. Thanks. Great to be here with you. Yeah, thank you so much for joining. I mean, I think this is, I, I doubt there's any questions that like have more people wondering about right now. So, right. Um, really We're hearing about it every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm listening. Uh, I'm, I mean, I didn't have too many loans and I was able to pay mine off a long time ago, but I know plenty of people who are stressing about their loans and trying to figure out how to make it work. So, um, so anyway, you know, what can you tell us about this new plan? Yeah, great. So the, their new plan, uh, the announcement was made back in July that the revised pay-as-you-earn plan changes that were actually proposed in January, they've been finalized, so that's exciting. Um, the repay, as it was called, is being rebranded to now being called the SAVE plan, and that SAVE plan stands for Saving on a Valuable Education and this plan, Sally, is going to be launched, I like to call it in two phases. Phase one is going to be ready for borrowers um, returning to repayment in October. And then phase two is going to be launched um, in July of 2024. All right. So can you talk a little bit about phase one of the plan and what a borrower might see from this? Yeah, that's um, a good question. So in phase one, I like to break it down in kind of three main changes. The first change in the plan is going to be um, the biggest impact to what a borrower can expect to pay, and that is the discretionary income for this new plan. The poverty guideline has increased from what used to be 150% to 225% when um, going through the calculation and deciding how much a borrower's monthly loan payment is going to be. So this change alone is going to reduce a uh, borrower's monthly payment. For example, if we have, think about a single borrower just graduated from college, um, maybe they have an AGI of 32800 or less under the new plan, they will be expected to pay $0 per month on their loan, where under the old um, plan, they would have been paying um, under that old poverty guideline around $91 a month. And then for borrowers who um, 
may have a family, think of maybe a family of four with an adjusted gross income of maybe 67500 those borrowers under this current plan would be paying zero dollars, um, where previously under those old poverty guidelines, they would have had a payment of $163 a month. So those are some pretty significant um, payment decreases for higher earners. This change alone, it's really going to save um, at least $1,000 a year in payment. So that is step one of phase one. Step two is one I love. I think most people who've been in and around student loans love phase two. I think it's the biggest benefit um, to this save plan for borrowers whose monthly payments under save do not cover all of the interest per month on um, their loan payment. They're not going to see their loan balance grow. So, for example, if a borrower's interest for the month is $50 and their save plan payment is $30, they make the $30 payment, that remaining $20 is going to be written off instead of what used to happen, that $20 would be added to their principal and the loan would continue to grow. So that is a huge um, change um, to student loan payments in um, general. The uh, interesting fact I could share, the Department of Ed did some calculating of borrowers who were on an income-driven plan prior to the COVID payment pause um, started, and they estimated that around 70% of borrowers on an income-driven plan, um, they're going to benefit from this, this change alone. So I think that is huge. Those are the two big changes. The third, oh, go ahead. Well, I'm sorry. I just want to say I think that's amazing because, to me, the most heartbreaking thing about this has been people who have been making payments and they're they're because the interest rates are so high, the balance keeps yes, growing exactly. anyway. And they're trying. We're right. not talking. I always think it's so important to note that we're not talking about people who are just walking away from their loans because they don't feel like paying. We're talking about people exactly. doing their best to pay, and the balance keeps growing yeah. anyway. That feels usurious to me. Right. The third um, change is small, and I can cover that quick. So for borrowers who uh, file taxes, married filing separately, this is more of a processing change. Under the revised pay-as-you-earn plan, the government use or the Department of Ed used to require the spouse's income reported anyway through a process that was called the cosine process. So this is just making this save process just a little more streamlined. Mm-hmm. And before so those are kind of the one, two, three, the phase one that is going to um, take place currently for borrowers starting repayment in October. So lots of good things going on. Yeah, that's excellent. All right. And before jumping into signing up, can a borrower estimate what a payment might look like on the SAVE plan? Yes, for sure. So they can estimate that through studentaid.gov has a tool called the Federal Loan Simulator, and I would highly encourage that if they were planning to sign up for one of these plans to definitely go in and do that because an income-driven plan isn't always the best answer. So knowing kind of what you're getting yourself into and if that aligns with um, your overall loan repayment goals, that's going to be huge. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Okay, great. Um, all right. And what borrowers might benefit from signing up for the safe repayment plan since it sounds like not everybody will benefit? Right. So I think the borrowers that are going to benefit the most are those looking for a low payment um, that have um, that their income fits into this threshold for the payment plan. Borrowers who are um, working towards public service loan forgiveness or really borrowers whose monthly payment is not going to cover the interest that they have accruing um, for the month. That is probably the key of borrowers that would benefit greatly from this plan. Um, maybe a, if a borrower is looking at that 20 to 25-year um, extended IDR forgiveness plan, those are all going to be um, key borrowers who would like maybe look at this save plan. Mm -hmm. And so what about any borrowers who might be better off waiting to sign up for this new plan? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, great question. So for borrowers, who may have been under an income-driven plan before the COVID payment pause or who have recertified their income under their previous plan and have seen an increase in income, they might uh, want to run the numbers and they might be better off waiting because that increase in income might bump their payment up. So definitely something for them to weigh. And the, the um, calculator is there for them to run and crunch those numbers. The loan servicers are there to answer questions as well. Okay. All right. That's great. Thank you so much for all this actionable information for people. Yeah, you're so welcome. Happy um, to talk about this good plan. Um, there are some good things coming with loan repayment um, starting in October. So definitely encourage everyone to get out there. And now is the time. Um, we're almost at crunch time to be um, definitely starting those repayment strategies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And stay tuned here because the finance team Experts like yourself are popping in regularly to let people know what what's coming next. So definitely stay tuned. So thank you again, Jen. Yeah, thanks, Sally. Have a great day. You too. All right. When we return, I'll be welcoming Nial Rillet. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. <laughs> At Voice America TRN. In every college application, there's that moment of pause before a student hits send. Is this my best work? With Bright Horizons College Coach, your student will hit submit with confidence. We take the guesswork out of applying to college. Students get help with everything from essays, summer planning and visits, to testing strategy, merit aid, and more. As for our results, 100% of students have earned acceptances, nearly all to one of their top choice goals. Visit getintocollege.com slash experts to learn more. For 25 years, families have trusted Bright Horizons College Coach to guide them through the college admissions process. With nearly all of our students getting into one of their top choice schools, it's no wonder why. Our experience is unmatched. As former admissions officers at top colleges and universities, we've read the essays, reviewed the applications, and made the admissions decisions. We know firsthand what colleges are looking for. Ready to meet our team? Visit getintocollege.com slash experts to learn more. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com 
You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome, Neil. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. All right. So we are talking about setting goals for the school year, um, which I think to a lot of students, I, I know that when I was in high school, this would have been annoying to me. <laughs> like I would have been like, I'm getting my homework done. What else do you want from me? So kind of tell me, um, like, l- let's talk a little bit about why setting goals is a good idea. Sure. And, and you hear a lot about setting goals often in a professional context, but why not try to apply this to all that you're trying to accomplish in high school, right? And the intent here isn't necessarily to add more things to do, right, to your already very full lives, but to add a little bit more intentionality, perhaps, right? And to, to, to add a little bit of structure, right? And to set concrete objectives for yourself. And at the end of the day, it is a way to celebrate, in a sense, the um, opportunities that you have ahead of you and to, and to really be a little bit more of an agent, right? To have a little bit more agency as well in deciding how to proceed um, toward a certain objective, toward a certain goal. Um, so, so that would be my sort of big picture framing about why goals can, can be really helpful, right? Um, it is about celebrating your strengths as opposed to adding any stress to, to your plan. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to note. And I also think um, as someone who really didn't get organized until my last year of college, it would have actually been very helpful for me to think about when do I work best? Like, should I set goals around what time I start my homework? Sometimes even really simple things like that can make a difference and would have mm-hmm. actually made my workload easier, not harder. Exactly. And, th- and this isn't meant to be uh, you going out and adopting someone else's approach, someone else's um, goals, and adding them to your own plate. It should be something organic. It should be something individual to you. And that's where thinking really strategically about for how to go about formulating a goal that works for you can be really helpful, right? And there's lots of models out there. The one that often comes up, perhaps as the first um, response, if you were to type this into Google, but how do I go ahead and set a goal is a model called a SMART model. And mm-hmm. I'd love to spend a couple of minutes explaining that to folks who perhaps are a little bit new to the idea of a SMART goal. Um, and what does SMART stand for, right? SMART is S for specific. That has to do with within setting a goal, the who, the what, the when, the why, the how, right? Uh, those sorts of specifics. The M is measurable, right? If you're working toward a goal, if there's a way to really measure your progress, uh, that, that can be really helpful. A is attainable, something that's reasonable, something that is realistic, of course, right? And R here is relevant, something that that is 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 has a relationship with um with with you in a sense right has has something perhaps that is is embedded in your values right um so that your goal setting feels like something that is authentic to to the person that you are um as i said is something that is perhaps organic um to you because it is something that that you really care about right in that sense relevant 
And then finally, T for time bound, something that has a an end, end date in mm-hmm. mind as well, right? Sometimes we come up with a goal, um, and if we were not to put a, a limit to how much time we could spend on it, it could be something that's a lifelong goal. And there's something to be said about lifelong goals as well. But for this context, if we're talking about um, academic or extracurricular or personal goals within the high school setting or within the college setting, um, that's where the time boundness of it can be really helpful as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, you never get to it, I would say. <laughs> yeah, pretty, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I could, I could also walk through perhaps an example of how this could play out, right? Just to mm-hmm. help elucidate it a little bit, just to help ground it a little bit. So let's say that you are a high school track athlete, right? And your event is is high jump. All right. So, so how would that play out in how would a goal within the context of high jump play out um, in, in reality for a student, right? So let's say that that you set a goal for yourself that you want to hit a two-meter jump, all right? And that's great because it's a highly specific goal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you could add to the specificity by saying that the way I'm going to do this, from maybe from this with support from my coach, is that I'm going to work on my run up. I'm going to work on my foot placement. I'm going to watch some videos to really figure that piece out. I'm going to get really great feedback on that really particular specific element of it, so on and so forth, right? Um, In terms of the measurable, I'm going to track my progress over time and see what's really having an impact and boosting my height up a little bit at a time, right? Is it attainable? Are you going to set yourself a goal that is beyond the world record? That's Maybe attainable, but un- highly unlikely, right? Mm-hmm. So, so keeping something that is is realistic in mind as well and relevant, right? Great, you can go swimming, but is that really going to help you be a great high jumper? Maybe, but sort of not relevant. And, mm-hmm. and finally, time bound. Maybe you have a, a tournament at the end of the year that you're working toward. You really want to hit that goal by that by the end of that that academic semester, right? So you see how something as easy as I want to get better at high jumping can become a smart goal and a really specific, measurable, attainable, um, relevant, and time-bound goal for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I think about a student of mine who um, had struggled academically, great kid, but struggled for a whole variety of reasons. And when I talked to him about setting goals, he said, I, I want to get all A's. I'm going to get all A's. And he had been a largely C student. And so I thought, I, you know, you never want to discourage someone from such a goal, but I was like, what do you think is going to be attainable? Mm-hmm. How are you going to get there? You know, and so it was it was kind of an interesting process to go through it with him to try and get him to understand. I was like, I would love if you get A's, but how about B's? You know, like, right. <laughs> let's let's start. Let's start with what's very attainable. That's one step up. And then we can set a higher goal down the road. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's where setting a goal that can feel motivational as opposed to a stressor is yeah. also key, right? And that's maybe where that piece of, of uh, attainability might come in, right? Uh, the piece of specificity might also come in. You don't want this to be something that feels like it's looming over you in a negative mm-hmm. way, but instead something that's lifting you up in a positive way, right? Mm-hmm. And that framing is, is, is really helpful, is really key. And, and what are the tools that you have in your vicinity that you have access to that you can bring in to to your to your practice in order to make that goal 
um, realistic and attainable for you, right? So, 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 what is that element of it that feels like it's that it's ensuring that it's a sticky goal, something that mm-hmm. you can really stick with and, and mm-hmm. keep it sustainable? Thinking through that can be really helpful, right? And as I said, you can bring people in, right? Do you have people that can help you be accountable to yourself, right? Mm-hmm. How, what are the systems of accountability that you are creating for yourself without it getting too obsessive, right? But mm-hmm. uh, something that can help you feel like you're making sustainable progress toward that end goal. And one of the ways that I think about that connects back to what we were talking about a little earlier in in making sure that whatever you're working toward, whether it be an academic goal, whether it be something extracurricular, or whether it's just something personal that, that you have an ambition to work toward, right? Is it ground or is it based on your values, right? Are you, are you, are you looking inward to see to seek that source of motivation because if it is something that feels authentic to the person that you are that is going to be a fountain of motivation for mm-hmm. you it's going to feel really natural to put effort and time and energy in that direction because it comes from from inside mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah the an example i think about is um you know i'm going to get an a in my ap computer science class uh, but then if you dig in deeply, you find out the student really prefers history and they're doing right. computer science because that's what their parents want them to do. And I think the motivation is not going to be as strong in that situation. Not that really? you shouldn't work hard, but, you know, yeah. Right. Invest, yeah. Investigate the why, right? Mm-hmm. That, that underpins the subjective that you have. Is it something that you're doing for yourself? Let's go back to the high jump example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it something that that you couldn't leave high school without seeing your name at the top of the list there on the on the school wall? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, so, is it is it vanity? Sure, mm-hmm. if that's what that's if what, that's what gets you motivated, you, yeah. right? Sure. <laughs> uh, or is it self improvement? Is it is it seeing? Um, is it is it learning? Right um, about how to manage growth in a way that that. Uh, feels good for you, right? That that really feels rewarding for you, right? Mm-hmm. And and remember, at the end of the day, we're we're talking about you as a student. We're talking about you as a young person. And hopefully, as you're thinking about goals, as you're thinking about your academic journey, all of this is sitting on a foundation of this being an opportunity to learn, as an opportunity to grow, right? Um, and 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 that really should be the bedrock upon which all of your effort in high school is situated. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, everyone wants you to have those sorts of opportunities for growth, for learning, for self-reflection, um, for developing directionality, right? Uh, but you are a student at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I know this is something that's very hard for students to contemplate, but what if they fail Yeah. at this school? Yeah. You've heard this a million times, right? Failure is the key to long-term success. And this is exactly a way in which you could actually test out that theory in the span of a few months to a year or a couple of years or through your college and high school journey, right? And so what is it, you know, as you're setting your goals, right? You want to establish for yourself certainly what what success means, right? In, in that specificity, as we refer to. Uh, but there's a difference between success and progress, right? And as we we're just talking about, uh, any progress that is intentional, that is grounded in your values, that is 
um, moving you in the direction that you want to go in is 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 excellent, right? Is 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 just a gift. So um, be kind to yourself at the end of the day. If you happen to mm-hmm. not meet that highly specific ambitious goal that you set for yourself, be kind to yourself because mm-hmm. um, if you land up with a bad taste in your mouth around something that you really love because you didn't exactly hit that ambitious goal that's going to be counterintuitive right so part of this is also can you be flexible can you be nimble can you adjust your goals as you go along absolutely absolutely that's something that we as professionals do all the time that's something that i feel like i do in my personal life all the time um you know we we plan but also be flexible and that's such a great skill Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's all about resilience ultimately yeah 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 all right and so what what comes afterwards like let's say whether someone fails or succeeds at their goal what's the next step whatever process that you have for yourself to reflect on on the the journey right is is going to be really essential here if we again go back to the point of your student this is an opportunity to learn and grow um so much of that really can happen after the fact when you're looking back and you start to recognize, oh, maybe I should have approached this thing in a little bit of a different way or that element of it was really successful. I think I'm going to add that into my practice and adopt it in other contexts as well. Right. We do a lot of brainstorming with students around essays. I love when students are able to make those connections. They have uh, an experience where they learned something that was really key to them. And they realize through conversations with with educators, people in their family, friends, that actually that 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 lesson that they learned in some other context, they've taken that and they've applied it to something totally different, and yet it was the key to their success within that second context, right? So this is a great example of that. What can you draw with intention and apply it to other elements of your life through that reflection, through that looking back? in detail and that's where that specificity can really help as well that's where the measurability of things here can also help because it's giving you a chance to to pinpoint uh, where where success was and where opportunity for growth was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely well mm-hmm. neil thank you so much for joining us today i really appreciate it my pleasure a great fun topic to to discuss and mm-hmm. and um yeah most important lesson be kind to yourself Yes. And yeah. And, and also um, feel like you're in the driver's seat. This is a great opportunity to mm-hmm. take to, to feel like um, you have true agency in something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without a doubt. This is really putting you in the driver's seat. I think that's the most important thing. So absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for again. having me. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and everybody stick around because we're going to be talking to Stephanie Goldner from the Pennsylvania College of Technology, the college that works. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Hey everyone, it's Ian Fisher from College Coach here with the sad news that summer is coming to a close. And while we'll miss time by the pool, we are still looking forward to the fall. This is a great time to start thinking about the college application process, whether you're a senior or a freshman. And to make the end of the summer a little less painful, we're offering our biggest discount of the year, 15% off any comprehensive college coach package 
if you sign up between August 14th and August 31st. So make your way to getintocollege.com and fill out a form for more info today. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome, Stephanie, um, to our podcast. This is Stephanie Golder from the Pennsylvania College of Technology. So um, Pennsylvania College of Technology, we had the opportunity to talk to Stephanie, um, I don't know, it's a couple of months ago now, I think. Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's such a unique and innovative college that I was really excited to have you on. So give us your quick intro. What is PCT or Penn College? Right. So uh, Pennsylvania College of Technology is located in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. We are a national leader in applied technology. So when we say applied, we really mean like that hands-on learning. We have designed our programs to simulate real-world working environments so that students really get the hands-on experience. So when they get out into the workforce, they're ready to go. They're not surprised. Everything's as they expected. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, um, I mean, applied technology is not going to be a meaningful phrase to everybody, right? So let's talk mm-hmm. specifically about what that means, what kinds of programs, like maybe you can name some of the different kinds. I know you can't name all of them because there's a lot. <laughs> right. Right. Because we definitely have a lot. We have over 100 different programs. Um, so when we say applied technology, we really mean um even we have a forestry program. So students are learning to use a live mill. We have a automotive program where students have cars come in. They also have the opportunity to learn how to run an automotive desk by with uh, students and employees bringing their cars in for service. Our nursing and health sciences programs, everything is set up to simulate the real world work environment. So they, it, it's like you're actually in an, a doctor's office or an emergency room or, you know, with the different mannequins and simulation uh, mannequins that they have. Mm-hmm. So basically what you're telling me about are the lab spaces. Effectively, my understanding from when I talked to you before is that every major, every program has some kind of a lab space associated with it, correct? Correct. We have worked really hard to get every major possible some sort of lab space. So even down to our business and accounting programs, they have different lab spaces. Of course, you know, when you're in business, most of it is in the computer, but we have extensive computer labs to cover that. And they also get to work out in the public with different companies and things like that to simulate that experience. Mm-hmm. And then in some of the others, it's you know, you have welding, you can actually go and weld, right? Correct. I mean, 
Yeah, there's just such a, like some of the programs under engineering technologies, it was included architecture, you mentioned automotive, there's also aviation, HVAC, mm -hmm. you had allied health programs, culinary. Um, I really represent, rec recommend, excuse me, that everybody go on your website because there's just pictures of rare, all these cool pictures of the different sort of lab spaces that students have. Yeah, so. Ab absolutely. We even have a YouTube channel if you want an in-depth look at them from, if you're not coming to campus and you just want to take a look from your home, it's a great opportunity to see our labs. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, good idea. I didn't even think about YouTube, but probably just says something about how old I am. So much less TikTok. Are you guys on TikTok? We are. We are. Okay. All right. So that'll work for the high school age range. Um, now, I think um, people, generally speaking, they might expect some of these programs to maybe be available at a community college or maybe at like a, a kind of for-profit trade school. Those kinds of places typically, although this isn't always true, don't offer housing, don't offer the traditional college experience. So I was hoping you could talk a little bit about that traditional college experience that that is offered at your school. Sure. Yeah. So just like a lot of other technical schools, we do offer a lot of those trades. But like you said, we have housing options for students. Um, right now, we are completely full. We have so many students living on campus, completely full. We also have like student engagement. So not only can you come learn a trade, but then you can get that traditional college experience by living on campus, eating and dining facilities, participating in student engagement activities and organizations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, you even have study abroad, I believe, correct? Yeah, that's right. So we do have study abroad activities and opportunities for students. Um, one thing that I think is really unique about Penn College is we offer smaller abroad trips. So we call them global experience opportunities. A lot of our students don't want to travel for a whole semester like a typical study abroad, but they mm -hmm. want that experience. So we have um, each year several different 14 to 16 day trips for students. They've gone to Italy, Spain, uh, Europe. I know the nursing students every year, they, they go to Guatemala. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different opportunities for students. And then some that aren't even that far, they, um, our culinary students, they go to the Kentucky Derby every year. So they get that experience too. Mm -hmm. And I know that you have a capstone project. Is that, I think that every major has to do a capstone project. Is that accurate? Yeah, just about every major would have to do that, some sort of capstone project. I think that some of them integrate um, internships in that and everything, but there is some sort of project. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the project could be some sort of, I mean, would you even have like traditional research papers or would it kind of, um, would it always be, there'd always be some sort of hands-on component to it, I imagine. Correct. So even um, each year, our architecture students, they make chairs out of cardboard. So they, that's a big project for them. And they display them and people even sit on them. They hold and they're, they're working, working chairs. So then they learn all those types of things. They put together everything they've learned throughout the semester or year, and then they put it together to create these different projects. Mm -hmm. um, what would be a capstone project for culinary arts, for example? 
So the culinary arts, I don't have an exact detail for you on what their capstone project would be. I haven't really investigated that a lot, but I do know that every student has to do an internship, and I think mm -hmm. a lot of it would play into that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I know it's 100 programs and you can't possibly know <laughs> the details of 100 different programs. So, uh, But I just thought the idea of the capstone project was really useful. Um, and it sounds like, I mean, we all know that internships are incredibly valuable when it comes to getting jobs. And it just sounds like every student is going to have the kind of work experience that they need to put on their resume to go out into the work world, correct? Yeah, absolutely. If a student is interested in an internship, there's internships available. Uh, of course, they have to do their part and, and, you know, advocate for themselves. But we work very hard to make as many opportunities available as possible. Mm -hmm. Now, when... when um... I had the virtual tour. I believe that our student, I wish I'd written it down, but the, our student tour guide, she started by getting an associate's degree in one area, and then she kind of even moved into another area to get her bachelor's degree. And so I wanted to kind of ask you about the flexibility of, of you know, because I think students might think, oh, if I start in engineering, I have to stay in engineering, or if I start in welding, I have to stay in welding, or you know, talk, kind of talk about how students might move through the curriculum and make it work for them. Yeah. So um, students do it all the time. They start, they really think they love something. They've done their research. They start and maybe they want to make a switch. They do a major change. And then uh, most, most of their general education courses will transfer over. Now, because we are so hands-on and we have that, you know, the applied approach, there's some courses that wouldn't transfer. So if you're an electrical student transferring to culinary arts, there's some courses that aren't going to transfer. But we also have programs that have a nice, easy flow. So there would be an associate and then they could flow very easily into a bachelor's degree. Or if they've earned their associate, we've created a program that's called applied management. So it's an additional two years, they get a bachelor's degree and then they have that management aspect behind their associate degree. Okay. So maybe they get an associate's degree in something like HVAC, but then they add the management component onto it. Is that kind of what? Yes. Okay. Okay, so that's really exciting. So I think especially if a student wants to run their own business and not work for someone else, the management is going to be extremely helpful, I'd imagine. Yes, absolutely. And I've also, um, as the admissions counselor for re-enrolled students, I've run into a lot of students who say, you know, I got my associate, I am up for a promotion, but I don't have a bachelor's. So then they'll start that program and be working on their bachelors to make them more attractive for employers and for promotional opportunities. Mm -hmm. So this is interesting too. It sounds like it's a very flexible college if someone is already working. So you can be the traditional student kind of 18 to 23, right. but you've got re these students re-entering who are full-time in the workforce. What does the college do to make that work for those students? So typically the students who are re-entering are doing something, maybe applied management, just like that. And that one has a online component. There's also a wide range of class offerings. So some could be in the morning and some could be later in the night. I know as a student here, I had children. 
And many times I was at the college till 1030 at night because I would come after my husband would be home from work. So there's a lot of different opportunities. Now, I will say that some programs are more flexible than others. So when you are in the health sciences, nursing health sciences, you're going to have clinicals, and sometimes those are more set times. Um, Other programs such as aviation, those are a little less flexible, but they try to be as flexible as possible so that people can re-enter into college and work on this degree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like the flexibility and how you had, uh, had formulated so that students really could build on it. So this mm-hmm. does kind of, this answers part of the next question, but um, what kind of student might want to attend Penn College? Like beyond the fact, I mean, obviously the majors are a compelling reason, but can you kind of answer that question broadly? What kind of student might be interested? Yeah, so... Um... Of course, like you said, our majors, we offer a lot of those technical degrees that are really needed out in the workforce right now. Um, But we also get a lot of transition from students who are in um, technical schools or vocational schools in education. There's a nice pathway for those students. Uh, Local students, really, they like the proximity to home. Um, We're three hours from major cities like Philadelphia, New York, uh, Mm -hmm. Maryland. So that opens a lot of opportunity for those students too to get this education, get the traditional college experience, but then still be close enough to home or anything they might want to do for the most part. Yeah. I think I remember, and I apologize for bringing up competitors, but I asked you if you had any competitors in the educational space, and you said not really. It's more students who might want to go straight into an apprenticeship. Is that correct? Yeah, a lot of times it does seem like our biggest competitor is the workforce. Um, there is another college nearby that offers up to associate programs, and sometimes the, they could be considered a competitor. But we're really the only ones in our area that have the traditional college experience mixed with a lot of the technical programs that we have. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. And and you are probably going to be, I mean, compared to, say, getting an apprenticeship, which I think is a wonderful and valuable pathway, mm-hmm. but they can't tack on the business degree on top of that the way they can for you. Correct. With your program. Yeah. Right. So um, does your school offer master's degrees? I, or, I mean, it's, I know it's called a college, but how far up do the degrees go? Mm-hmm. So we currently have two... Uh, two master's degrees. We have a master's in nursing education, and then we have a master's in physician assistant. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of interest in those programs for sure. So, yes, definitely. Okay. So how can a student apply to Penn College? Great. Um, a student can apply. So if you're a first year transfer student, you can apply using the Common App. Or you can go right onto our website. And typically, I recommend if you're applying to several different schools, go ahead and take advantage of the Common App. It allows you to apply to multiple schools at one time. If you're only applying to a handful and maybe uh, you don't want to set up your Common App, you can go right onto our website, www.pct.edu, click Admissions and Aid, open the admissions process, and then there's access to our applications. And they only take students about 10 to 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we talked about this last time. It's a pretty basic application. Um, right. You do have a very high admit rate. 
Um, but that doesn't mean a student can necessarily get into every program, correct? So how would that work if you had a student who, say, wanted engineering or like a very math intensive program, but their math grades maybe weren't as strong or they didn't have all the prerequisites? How would that work? Yeah. So for every student who comes into Penn College, we require that they meet placement. Mm -hmm. They can meet placement one of three ways. So if they did take their SAT and they scored a math uh, score of 580 or higher, if they've taken a college level class that is um, approved, they could meet placement. And then we offer our own placement exam. They can do it from home. It's online. There's two sections. One's 35 minutes, one's 45 minutes. We give them a practice test first. They kind of get a feel for what we're going to ask. And then we have faculty who review those scores. And then they also compare them to their transcripts. So if they see, you know, uh, this student did really well in their math classes all through high school, and for some reason, the test didn't match up, they'll take into account both of those because we know not everyone is a great test taker. And sometimes that can be um, hard for students and a little daunting. Um, where you, this would really come in, though, is in our nursing programs. So nursing programs really have that selective admissions criteria that I think you're thinking about. So since you have to be very strong in like sciences, for example, they're going to take that very seriously. So when you come in, it's really important that students are ready and they take their coursework seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, if you don't do well, then you might be not be able to continue in the program. Is that accurate? Or are people allowed to kind of retake a course if they have to? There are some options to retake, but there is a limit. So, you know, they might hit a limit where they've taken too many courses in this program and we can't allow them to continue. It's just not ethical. Mm -hmm. It's not fair to them. They're paying right. tuition and they're not advancing. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things, um, changing tact if I can, one of the things that I thought was interesting is um, the faculty qualifications for mm -hmm. PCP because um, at most schools it's, you know, a, it's a PhD or whatever, but you, you all have different qualifications. So what do you expect from your faculty? Yeah, so with every area, it's a little bit different. Uh, all of our faculty have at least 10 years of experience out in the field, and that's a big one for us. So if we're telling everyone how to get this experience and this hands-on approach, we really like to have our faculty who've been out there and they know what they're doing. And a lot of them even consult through the summer, so they keep themselves up to date. Um, mm -hmm. As far as like the PhD, we are a little more flexible than other other schools. So they will work with them and they'll say, are, are you on track to earn this? Mm -hmm. So if someone's on track, you know, we've had some in res life where a residence life, I should not abbreviate that <laughs> just in case, um, yeah. in residence life where, you know, a master's degree is really preferred and someone can be on track and then be hired like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, because obviously... Yeah, this is a school that's all about experience. So I actually really liked the 10 years of experience and that probably helps them make the give the best advice to their students as well. So, mm -hmm. okay. All right, so we have to, um, we just have sort of one minute left. So any okay. last thing that you wanna add? 
No, I mean, I guess just if you have any questions about Penn College or you're interested, hop online. There's a lot of different visit opportunities, especially if you don't know what you want to do. Come to an open house. We have an open lab time where you can wander through any of the labs and get a good feel for it. If that's something that might interest you just by looking at the equipment and talking to fa faculty members. Mm -hmm. And the online, I want to give another kind of plug for your website and and absolutely the responsiveness. You don't always have people getting back to you as quickly as uh, as you all did at PCT in arranging a time. So I know that it would be the same for students. So, yes. yeah. All absolutely. right. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I really thank you. It. Okay. All right. And I also want to thank Jen Wilcox and Neil Relay. Um, join us next week for our discussion on supporting documents for an application and why those are important. And we'll also explain what we mean by supporting documents, how to finalize your college list and understanding tuition discounting, which, and by that we mean need-based versus merit-based aid. Um, and finally, I do wanna remind everyone that you don't have to listen to our shows live. Every show is accessible 24 seven on the Voice America website. And you can also download every show for free on iTunes. If you're curious about other topics, do remember to look through our, our archives, which you can find them along with our blog posts on blog.getintocollege.com. And don't forget, we're here every Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. New episodes drop every Thursday. The goal of this show is to demystify the college admissions process for families around the globe. To help with this mission, please leave a review and share with your friends. And to learn more about Bright Horizons College Coach, visit GetIntoCollege.com.